What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the Window Canada Sports Betting Podcast. It's the Sunday special Circa Million Contest episode. First up, the Circa Survivor Selection for the Friends of the Podcast Entry. Then I unveil the five picks against the spread that we're using to chase after the big money in Circa Million. I'll highlight what the most popular picks are for everyone in the Circa Million and give my take on those. Then we take a quick look at how lines are moving this weekend and see if there's any value elsewhere in the markets. Plus the teaser bucket and the underdog money line parlay bucket. Time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host and sports betting professional, Matt Russell. The Sunday special, Circa Million and Survivor Show. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. A little different today because of the holiday. We didn't have to do the big boy podcast on Friday. So told you to check out my appearance on the On Blast Podcast Network for, you know, the late week, early-ish takes on those games. And then my man Sheldon Alexander, host over there, gets hit with a fever. He's fine. You know, we couldn't do the show that day, couldn't do the show the rest of the week, because of course Christmas then hits. And he texted me on Friday uh, that he had been asleep for basically two straight days, woke up, saw that there was football on, and thought it was Sunday, and was mad that he didn't get his survivor selection in, uh, in time. And so he's a little bit under the weather those couple of days. So uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do our normal chat. Hopefully, if he's feeling better tomorrow, we're going to be able to get in our usual Monday talk uh, about all this craziness that happens here in the NFL. And... You know, you know, we're going to start with a survivor here in a second. But with these games, because we didn't get a chance to sort of talk about them in depth on the usual calendar, right, on the usual Friday show, it is worth mentioning that in week 16 and week 17, as you know, things get awfully hairy. And there's three different types of games, essentially, here. I call them the showdown games, the mowdown games, and the hoedown games. So the showdown games are two teams playing each other. Maybe they're vying for something against one another. Maybe they're, you know, different divisions, maybe even different conferences, like the Sunday night game, for example, where Green Bay and Tennessee will, you know, they're show it's a showdown game because they're both trying, they're both good teams, they're both trying to jockey for position in their respective playoffs. They're not trying to necessarily jump each other, but they've got other stuff going on. So it's a really fun, exciting game from that standpoint. Then you got the mowdown games, which is one team who's got something to play for going against the team who's done for, right? Like they don't have anything left to play for. And you get Tampa Bay, Detroit, for example, yesterday in a mowdown game. Now, not every mowdown game necessarily means one team is going to mow down the other one. And we'll talk about a few of those potential issues today. But in the case of Detroit yesterday, we find out now what it's like to not have coaches. Now, We get deeper into that game, you know, the butterfly effect of what happened in that game early on, but do we really care about it at this point? Not really. Uh, And then finally, the hoedown games, which are just two teams just out there looking to have a good time. Two teams that uh, have either already clinched everything they need to, but more likely two teams that are well out of the playoff hunt and are just playing, for lack of a better term, for fun. 
right? Just out there dancing around, having a good time. So three different types of games. We'll talk about every single one of these games as it pertains to those three categories. So let's try to fit two pods into one here. We'll go as sort of as fast as we can on a Sunday morning to get you ready for the football today. Survivor play, Circus Survivor. Uh, interesting split here. Our plan the whole time, Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens circled on the schedule against the Giants the whole way. Now, again, this is very similar to a game a few weeks ago. I believe it was Jacksonville, Minnesota, where Minnesota was always the plan. That's what we had to stick with, even though we kind of had a feeling that Jacksonville was going to be competitive in that game and actually didn't rule out the chances of Jacksonville winning this one. Kind of feel like that's that's the same case here. We'll talk a little bit more about this game uh, in a second here. But as for the Circus Survivor, you know, it's kind of interesting as it pertains to the splits, though this week may be a little bit less so, and I'll tell you why. Cleveland is actually the most popular Survivor pick. And I go, you're going, wait, what? How is that possible? Well, it was before the COVID news with regards to the wide receivers. So obviously, the most interesting part about this game, a game that was supposed to be a mowdown game, is that we've seen what happens when you don't play you can't play a quarterback with the Denver Broncos. We saw yesterday, in part, what happens when half your coaching staff is out. We've seen, you know, obviously the Ravens be incredibly compromised. Well, the Browns, no wide receivers, essentially, right? All of their top wide receivers are out for this game. So now we get to see what a team looks like when they don't have any professional NFL top-level talent on the outside. So... Obviously, with your survivor pick, it's probably a little bit different, right? You may have even been thinking Cleveland. A bunch of your competitors may have been thinking Cleveland. You may have had Cleveland circled for this spot for a while. And now, obviously, not that interested in it. Second most popular team, though, in Circus Survivor, the Bears. And this is kind of this perfect, you know... uh, you know, the opposite here, right? Where it's like, okay, well, nobody had the Bears circled. Why would you want anything to do with the Bears? You know, blah, 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 blah. And now all of a sudden they're an incredibly popular pick. And that's been the issue with Survivor this year. That's why your Survivor pool is still going. And I know you're thinking, well, like, oh, I survived. Like, I did a great job, blah, blah, blah. No, everybody did. And I don't mean everybody literally survived, but like more people than have ever survived to this point on a percentage basis, you know, than ever before, really. And so part of that is because every week there is a new team that you never would have considered. We've talked about it back on, you know, the Thanksgiving Sunday weekend where we had Green Bay lined up. It was supposed to be a really difficult week. They were the only team that was more than a seven-point favorite. And then all of a sudden the Giants on the road to Cincinnati become a reasonable option. Things like like that have happened this season where instead of one good choice, maybe two good choices, there's three or four decent choices. Now, Do I know that the Bears are definitely going to win this game? Not necessarily. It certainly in this case, though, behooves Jacksonville to lose the game, which of course makes the Bears even more popular. Uh, Rounding out the list, the Chiefs' eight selections out of, again, 52, worth mentioning, 52, so you can do the math on that. So roughly 16% taking the Chiefs, and that kind of feels like basically anybody who had the Chiefs left would take them here because probably not anything to play for next week. Uh, in their game against the Chargers, and then the Bucks, right? Another one that you wouldn't have necessarily circled, you know, a couple of months ago, pops up, and all of a sudden Detroit complete shambles, and the Bucks become a viable option. They, of course, advance, uh, and then our pick the Ravens, and this is, you know, again, 
who knows what the you know how everything would have changed but the ravens at just six selections that's why we saved the ravens for as long as we did because we knew if we saved them we saved them we saved them because they were such a popular survivor pick over the course of this season get you know various games against the bengals etc etc you know last week obviously uh, you know a popular pick as well and you go, yeah, I want to be one of few people that have the Ravens and have to have these other people choose between, you know, the Browns on the road, the Bears on the road, the Chiefs, which, again, most people have already taken. So um, that's what's going on with regards to Survivor. As for the Circa Million Plays, tweeted out yesterday, started with the winner, just like last Saturday, last Saturday night, start with a winner with Las Vegas plus three. Obviously, um, you know, a sweat for much of that game, as the Raiders showed no real interest in grabbing a game that the Dolphins were openly trying to give to them, and then became kind of not of a sweat as soon as the extra point got missed by the Raiders, because you knew that six-point lead, you know, we're looking at the Dolphins to go up by one, and then probably field goals back and forth. It got a lot crazier when it came to that, but when it came to the point spread, until really one second was remaining on the clock, and we were looking at the old pitchy-pitchy woo-woo situation, on either the kickoff or of course there was a possibility that they just kicked it deep and let the Raiders set up offensively which would have been a nightmare shout out to the Dolphins for handling it the way they did so that they were you know 40 50 yards away from the goal line when they started the pitching and the woo woo um so the other picks for Circa Million here, and some of these aren't necessarily as available as they would have been earlier on in the week, but again, that's what we're dealing with with week 16 and week 17. We're all just kind of guessing on where these lines are going to go. So Pittsburgh, plus one and a half selection for me. You're going like, wait, what? You're going, to, you're going back to the well with Pittsburgh after last week? And honestly, I don't love Pittsburgh any more than you do, and I'm probably going to end up kicking myself for it. And we talked about how we were hoping to get Indy plus three in this game after Pittsburgh beat the Bengals. Well, of course, the Bengals did not <laughs> hold up their end of the bargain. We're not getting three points with the Colts, though we may actually end up getting there, strangely enough, uh, due to a couple of other reasons. But the point is here is that line opens on the on the flip side. It opens to Indy minus two to minus one and a half, and that's where we jump in on P Pittsburgh plus one and a half with that value. Now, part of that is... No offensive tackle. Well, they will get to play with offensive tackles, but they won't <laughs> use their starting offensive tackles today for the Colts. And so now you're going, okay, as much as we don't like the Steelers, let's close our eyes and think about this for a second. Phil Rivers unprotected against the Steelers' defense. Doesn't sound like a real optimal thing here, right? On the road, in Pittsburgh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Doesn't really sound like something you'd want to be doing. And so, you know, people are lining up here to bet the Colts on the road again because they don't want anything to do with the Steelers but like we're getting down to it here the Steelers need to win these games and you know listen we'll talk a ton more about teams that must win games and if you must win you must not be very good but looking at this game situation against a Colts team that listen they can lose a game they can win a game like this is this is the Colts this season right they they're the one team that lost to the Jaguars for crying out loud, right? They got smoked by the Titans. Like, this isn't a team that's just like, oh, definitely they're going on the road and they're going to beat a really good team. Now, again, I don't know that the Steelers are necessarily a really good team anymore, but I don't know that they're that much worse than the Colts, especially given the compromised offensive line for the Colts. That's the key here. And of course, that's why the line has moved back over to the Steelers being favorited here. 
because of these injury situations. And so, um, you know, we never would have gotten, you know, or I should say, like, we would have gotten the plus three uh, with the Colts, but we were just never going to get the plus three with the Steelers here, given this injury situation. So now this line moves over and over, and plus three with the Colts would have become a lot less attractive if we had known that the offensive tackles were going to be out for the Colts, which when we were hoping to get plus three with the Colts, which again, we still might actually get by the time kickoff rolls around, it's just way less uh, attractive here with this injury situation piling up. Other picks in the one o'clock for the Circa Million, the best bets, the New York Giants plus 11 in the contest. Again, part of this is, you know, a bit of a stale line here. We're getting that extra, essentially a point. This thing ticked down to nine and a half yesterday. Uh, some decent injury news when it comes to the Ravens today. So this thing is ticked back to 10. Um, probably going to not move all that much from there. This is one where I just think the Giants are going to be really competitive in this game after a couple of weeks of being not so competitive. And you saw them on Sunday night, and you go, Matt, like they scored six points. They lost by two touchdowns. Like, what are you doing? But when you replay that game, like think about it for a second here, right? One, they were able to move the ball, especially in the first half, and just kind of dumb decisions from a coaching standpoint and then an execution standpoint, you know, on high leverage plays cost them points right obviously passing up the field goal for a fake field goal early on that was dumb other drives down that they settled for a field goal or they went for it on fourth and one and didn't get it and then on the flip side you know if you watch that game this is an eye test type of a thing you watch that game against the browns you're going man the browns cannot miss right like it's you know chris collinsworth was tripping all over himself all about Baker Mayfield, and it's true, like, he was on fire putting, throwing dimes out there, drilling balls into receivers, and a lot of those passes are passes that get dropped, right, hit a guy in the chest, bounce through his hands, that kind of thing, and the Browns receivers were catching everything in sight, and so you give, you know, sort of kudos to them for that, but that's how they were allowed to move the ball against the Giants defense, that's how they were able to score their 20 points, and again, still only 20 points, and if the Ravens score 20 points, I like the chances of the Giants to stay within the number here even at plus 10. But the point is, is is that the kind of offense that you're going to see from the Ravens, right? Lamar Jackson, pinpoint accuracy, the, you know, uh, Hollywood Brown, uh, Miles Boykin, just catching everything in sight. Like maybe Mark Andrews, sure. But like it's not going to be this team effort of just incredible catches over and over and over, right? The Ravens are going to try to run the ball and the Giants... I think are going to be able to hang in there, forcing a handful of field goals, you know, a little bit more frequently than they did against the Browns. So if I, if we can keep the, the Ravens to that 20 points, I think the Giants are going to be able to score on this Ravens defense that just, again, has not been very good. I'm not going to give them a ton of credit against the Jags offense, especially after they took that big lead, because again, everybody kind of takes a big lead against the Jags these days, though maybe not the Bears. We'll sort of have to see what's going on over there. But point is, I don't think you're going to get the same pinpoint offense here. And once that becomes an issue, I think you may see a couple of more turnovers, right? This is going to be a little bit more, I think, like the Seattle game for the Giants. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the game outright, though that's certainly a possibility, I think. But for me, I'm going to take that extra point. I'm going to take those full 10, 11 points here with the Giants, who, again, difference between them and, say, the Lions, or even, say, the Jaguars or the Jets, is that the Giants are still playing for something. Like, it sounds crazy. Like, this isn't even a mow-down game, right? This is sort of a 
you know, showdown game masked as a mowdown game because, again, the Giants are trying for something here and the Ravens are also trying for something here. And just because the records and the power ratings of these two teams are so far away from a motivational standpoint, the Giants are still trying to do things. Then to the 4 o'clock games for the rest of the circa million picks, the top five picks. Denver plus three. Woke up this morning. This line has moved off of three to two and a half. I think in part because the market's sort of figuring out what we're figuring out here that like why would you want anything to do with the chargers minus any amount of points right like on the very surface of this it's strictly an anthony lynn fade especially after a couple of victories here moreover it's how about the chargers offense a team that doesn't run the ball very well without hunter henry he's got COVID, without keenan allen pulled hamstring and so yeah like they're pretty deep at wide receiver and we saw that against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago but you're not going to get that same sieve like defense for Justin Herbert to throw against and it's not like the run game is any good and the Denver defense as much as there's you know backups in the secondary and all of that kind of thing you know everybody's aware of that the market is aware that the Denver uh, secondary is banged up but Again, this isn't going to be the Josh Allen, Brian Dable offense that the Broncos are going to go against, right? This is Justin Herbert, rookie quarterback. Again, looked great at times, especially against some good teams there as well. But again, without Keenan Allen, that's a key element here, right? And you can't just base this Chargers team off off of what we saw against the Raiders. Just go one week before that against the Falcons, and you might start, you know, watch that game and go, yeah, I think actually Drew Locke and the Broncos can win this game go go a week before that with the patriots plowing them 45 to nothing right so it starts to become a lot more reasonable to think that the broncos can win this game outright and i just think this would be incredibly chargery for them to lose this game because i also think they're going to win next week against kansas city against probably uh, a depleted or sort of uh you know self-depleted if you will chiefs team uh last one up in the circa million contest here at the rams plus one um, one of two games, along with Pittsburgh, that I thought wasn't going to be all that popular, at least from a side perspective, right? Like Seattle, home favorite, only minus one. You know, everybody loves Seattle at home. They just won last week. The Rams lost to the Jets. Like, oh, they've got to be brutal, blah, 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 blah. How aren't more people on the Seahawks? And this is the second most popular pick. Actually, excuse me, I think it's actually the most popular pick in Circa Million this week. Yes. And so... <laughs> I'm stunned. I'm stunned that this it's this popular. But I think people realize here that the Rams are frankly just a better team than the Seahawks. We were on the Rams last time when, again, they were small favorites at home against the Seahawks, a team that they just kind of own, right? It's the NFC West circle of death that we talk about. And, you know, you look at this game and all the matchups that we've you know, talked about it at weeks past, right? You get the, the Ramsey and Metcalf, all of that sort of thing. And so the Seattle Seahawks here, just because they're at home doesn't mean all of a sudden they're going to be able to move the ball against a defense that they haven't been able to do so. And the Rams have talked about last week how they kind of just phoned that game in, that they knew that this game was the game that was going to be important for them. And so you throw that in with the embarrassment of losing to the Jets here, and frankly, a fishy line, right? Because again, you know, and I think a lot of people have sort of sniffed this out, but like Seahawks only minus one at home against a team that just lost to the Jets like what's going on here now listen they may end up winning that this game because they have Russell Wilson and as we know right like he can work magic 
at various times. And so they could win this game. They could get a three-point win, whatever, right? Like, this is the NFL. Uh, it's a coin flip type game. But i rather just die here, ride and die on our belief system, essentially. And one of those tenants is this NFC West thing. And if we've been really good with the NFC West this season, which we have, I want to keep riding with that. And I left San Francisco off of the Circa Million picks yesterday, tweeted out about, you know, talking about it. So hopefully you guys were able to grab that. But in part because the, the contest line was five. And it was six, and it was six and a half, and there was even some rogue seven at minus 115 that I was able to get. And so the more that line shifted higher, the better that bet became with regards to sort of my perception of it, right? It became a best bet later on in the day as that line moves up, because obviously there's a difference between plus five and plus six and plus six and a half and plus seven. If it was plus seven the whole time, it would have been front and center, right on the card, right on the circa million card, right on the best bets, you know, but that's the type of stuff that happens here, right? So there are games where you go, okay, like I like this team, I like this number, and if the number gets better up to, towards kickoff, it becomes more and more attractive. And so when it comes to, for instance, the Rams or the Broncos here, the way this line moves, right? If it goes two and a half, like it is right now with the Broncos, becomes less appetizing from a betting standpoint. I still think they win. I still think this is similar to the Raiders and Dolphins game last night, where that plus three, or in this case, plus two and a half, is kind of a backup plan relative to needing the team to win outright. Obviously, from a contest standpoint, we're not trying to push here, right? We're trying not to have this game land on three. We think that the Broncos are going to win this game outright. Um, as for other, you know, last cuts, if you will. So a couple of different things here, right? When again, we get to this point in the season from a contest standpoint, you're trying to figure out games that are going to be less popular. And we weren't able to succeed in, in, in doing that with the Rams and with the Steelers, right? Steelers, second most popular pick in Circa Million. And so you go, man, that's surprising. Like again, from a Steelers standpoint, like we're getting the line value that we just talked about, but again, that's very, very strange. Arizona minus five was third most popular pick, by the way. And again, that's based on a line value type thing. If you wake up and there's something that's six and a half and you can get minus five, and it's obviously Arizona, which of course everybody loves betting. We already know all about people's love for betting Arizona they're going to do that. So the fifth most popular pick, and I should mention the fourth one is Buffalo minus seven on Monday. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But Green Bay minus three is the fifth most popular pick. And that's a best bet for me. All right, I like Green Bay a ton tonight, but I'm not going to use that again because of just in general how popular Green Bay is. Now, again, it backfired with regards to the Rams and the Steelers um, and that we're sort of you know going along here with the public, if you will, or the other contestants. Um, but again, Denver and the Giants are sort of contrarian-ish type plays. Um, but other last cuts. So Green Bay minus three goes into that category. Philadelphia minus two is one that I thought was going to be very popular. One, because of the line movement, right? This number sitting kind of toggling between two and a half and three at this point. Um, tons of reasons to like the Eagles. Tons of reasons to not like the Cowboys. Thought this was going to be an incredibly popular pick in the contest. And it just wasn't. And that's a surprise to me. So we're going to be including Philly minus two, two and a half into that best bet category. One of the, you know, a couple of the ones that I left off the card here, not because they were going to be popular, because certainly they're not, but for a couple of different reasons. Houston minus seven and a half. I think Houston absolutely blows out the Bengals here. But the problem is, I think 
or I thought that that, that that would be the case with Ryan Finley. Because as much as the Bengals won that game, and maybe that's what was going to create some value here, Ryan Finley stinks. Like, Ryan Finley cannot throw the ball. And they were able to beat the Steelers without needing him to throw the ball for any distance whatsoever. And so if he was going to then be in the starting lineup here against a Texans team and Deshaun Watson, who can put up points, like they're going to give up points to professional quarterbacks, but Ryan Finley just isn't that. Now, I don't know that necessarily Brandon Allen is either, so let's not lose our heads here. Because So it's still a game that I'm going to bet here as a best bet. Because I think the Texans absolutely roll Cincinnati, but there is a possibility that Brandon Allen can put up some points where I just don't see that being the case for Finley, barring aggressive amounts of turnovers and bad offense. And Deshaun Watson at this point is light years ahead of Ben Roethlisberger when it comes to being able to create that offense. And so, you know, I think Houston scores 28 to 30 plus points against a bad Bengals defense that frankly shot their wad on Monday in that sort of Super Bowl of the season type game for the Bengals. Now you go on on the road to Houston. How interested are you really in that game? Six days, you know, short week, et cetera, et cetera. I like Houston to win this thing. I like him to win this thing big, but it was going to be a contest play with Finley. And now that it's Brandon Allen, it's not that, not quite as enticing to get this in as a contest play. If I could do it over again, knowing what I know, I'd probably replace it. I'd probably put Houston in for uh, Pittsburgh just based on the fact that Pittsburgh was a more popular play than I thought it was going to be. Next one up, Jacksonville. And this line is 7.5 in the contest, and you start seeing it tick up to 8, 8.5. And, and that's because people are waking up going, well, now with, that, with everything that happened yesterday, with the Cardinals losing, the Bears really need this game, right? They, can, they now control their own destiny, if you will. And that's creating some excess value here on the Jags. And people see, oh, they're not starting Gardner Minshew. Um, Robinson's going to sit out. Well, for one, that running back production can be relatively easily replaced. Like we see it all the time. I don't have to tell you that running running backs are replaceable. From a quarterback standpoint, are we that positive that Mike Glennon is any worse than Gardner Minshew? Like there just hasn't been any um, evidence of that. And we've seen, yeah, like Gardner Minshew comes in in the middle of the game and sparks the offense and all of that kind of thing. But like, yeah, then he gets the start against the Ravens and they barely score at all. And so I think this number's inflated. Obviously, Jacksonville has no interest or should have no interest in actually winning this game. And so I don't really want to take a team in the contest at a bad number at Jacksonville plus seven and a half when eight and a half is now available in a situation where they don't actually want to win the game. Now, they may be competitive, and maybe they do some chicanery at the end of the game in order to lose this game, a la the Jets. But I can't. you can't back Chicago <laughs> minus 7.5, minus 8, minus 8.5. Now, maybe they end up trucking the Jags, and maybe the Jags completely no-show like the Lions do. I just don't see that being the case here. So I'm actually going to be betting on the Jags here. Plus 8.5 is the number that I'm taking here as a best bet. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And, you know, now we've talked about the most popular plays here um, in the Circa Million, talked about the top five. You know, Chargers also popular with regards to, uh, we talked about the two-thirds, right? Two-thirds of the selections on the Chargers at minus three, which, of course, now a bad number. So we like that. We like that people are, you know, taking that bad number, going against our pick. You know, it's hard enough sort of getting games correct, right? It's 
a lot harder to get those games correct, get other games to go your way that you're not even involved in. So if you can get people really into the Chargers, for example, I'll take my chances with the Broncos in that one. And then the other one that I want to talk about is Cleveland minus nine and a half in the contest. Again, just like Survivor, people taking that bad number, not realizing or not, of course, you know, not having, you know, being able to see into the future that the Browns are going to get struck by COVID and have no wide receivers in that game. So interesting sort of element there um, as far as the secondary most popular picks in Cirque Million. So we're going to take a quick break. And after that, uh, we're going to just go over the line moves and all the games that we haven't talked about uh, on the other side. Quick break to tell you about our favorite Las Vegas proxy team, Maddie and Tony, over at footballcontest.com. They make the sign-up process so easy, and having used their service for almost 10 years now through the evolution of the contest scene, they are 100% reliable, true professionals. If you're enjoying this ride we're on with the Circa Million, and you want to try your hand at competing with some of the best NFL cappers in the world next year, go to footballcontest.com or check them out on Twitter at football contest contest signups will start back up pretty soon after the season so start planning your trip now tell them you came by the window all right as for the rest of the board on sunday here let's start with this browns jets game so this line has moved off of you know, nine and a half all week, got up to 10. That was my buy point for the Jets, even at the best of times here for the Browns. So uh, I grabbed the 10. This doesn't do you guys any good really whatsoever. Completely understand that. This line now goes to six, uh, six and a half. It becomes an interesting teaser leg for the Browns. Really just comes down to how do you feel about the Browns without any wide receivers? And so while I think this line is kind of just a made up line, right? Like you're no different than the, you know, the Broncos without a quarterback. Now that we know what a team looks like when they don't have a quarterback, you'd probably pump that Broncos lineup even higher than it ended up getting. In this case, what are the Browns going to look like without wide receivers? Does that completely kill any, you know, Baker Mayfield action in this game? Is it just purely runs? And so the closest thing you could kind of come up with is at least the Browns have had games where, from an offensive standpoint, they couldn't really throw the ball because of weather conditions. Bad news for them is the offense didn't look all that great <laughs> in those situations. They ran the ball a ton. They moved the ball okay. Obviously, field goals were more of an issue, so it's a little bit different, right, where they weren't able to kick long field goals. If they get the ball into Jets territory, they're still going to be able to kick field goals because it's not like wind is the issue. It's just personnel. And so I think the Browns are probably still good to win this game and being able to tease them from that six down to, you know, basically a half point, even you know, a, a pick them, I think you got to do that. And you got to take your chances there. Because again, we're still talking about the Jets. Now, could the Jets win outright? Of course they could, because we're talking about uncertainty. And we'll get to that when it comes to the Moneyline Parlay. So these, strangely enough, these teams actually kind of qualify for both, right? They qualify, Cleveland qualifies with regards to, from a number standpoint, kicking this thing down to pick them. But the Jets qualify for the money line parlay here as well, because what do we want from our money lines? We want uncertainty. And there's no more, nothing more uncertain than when a large, you know, a group of players, especially at a specific position, are just out 
all of a sudden, especially without practice. And so how do you make a line for it? How do you make a money line for it? So we're talking like a plus 230, plus 240, plus 250 here for a Jets team that did win last week, have been playing better, wouldn't be insane for them to win this game. And when you're looking for underdogs that may win, the uncertainty here certainly qualifies. And so strange enough to say, it does qualify for both. And it just kind of comes down to which you feel a little bit more comfortable comfortable about, right? Whether you feel like Browns, T's down, doesn't matter, et cetera, et cetera, that's cool. Or whether you're looking to go for it here with the Jets uh, on that money line. Uh, Cincinnati and the Houston Texans here again. This thing is pretty much staunch around minus seven and a half. Got down to seven yesterday, grabbed a little bit of that, not nearly enough. We'll see if we're able to get that seven again. Um, you know, part of me is concerned that more people don't see this as just an absolute truck spot here potentially for the Texans and why this number has sort of ticked down from where it was. Now, part of that was early in the week, we thought Ryan Finley was going to play and we saw how bad he was against Pittsburgh. And then as Brandon Allen becomes closer and closer to game time and more and more able to potentially play, that's what brings this line down. I think it just got too far when it comes to the minus seven and the market has sort of spoken, kicking this thing back up to seven and a half. Colts and Steelers, this thing toggling back and forth, back and forth, you know, Steelers by one, Colts by one, et cetera, et cetera, might be headed our way back to Colts minus one, minus one and a half, where we're able to jump on the Steelers as both the number that we had earlier on in the week and as a teaser piece, right? Again, frankly, I like either of these teams as a teaser piece if they were minus one and a half for either side. We'd kick it up to plus seven and a half. Um, who knows? Maybe if there's aggressive movement and you've got a couple of books and one's a little bit slower than the other, maybe you can actually get both sides here at plus seven or plus seven and a half on a teaser piece. Would be kind of cool. Uh, Bears and the Jaguars here. So I talked about the Bears here. This thing's up to eight and a half. You know, again, too high. Do I want to tease the Bears down to two and a half? I kind of don't. I kind of think the Jags are, again, from a value standpoint. Now, again, do they want to win? No, right? They probably don't. The players on the field do. The organization does not. It will be interesting to see how they handle a late game situation if this game is close and would you really notice if the Jaguars did something bad at the end of a game to lose this game but for three quarters I think this game's going to be really competitive and we're talking about an eight and a half point spread here right like the Jags could have had better field uh or draft position if you will uh last year going up against the Colts in week 17 and you know they didn't, right? Like, they go and they win that game. And you go, okay, like, <laughs> what are they doing? But the players don't care, like, is the entire point of this. And so when we're talking about eight and a half points here, I think that's a ton of value. Um, honestly, I kind of actually rather tease the Jags up to 14 and a half than I do the Bears down to two and a half because I just don't trust the Bears. Like, what have the Bears done that's been all that impressive, right? Like, they beat the Vikings last week. But, like, how many different ways here do we have to see from the Vikings to show that, like, they're just not very good this season, right? And we were on this early on, and then things started to improve a little bit, and the offense is pretty good. But, like, Jags, Panthers, you know, should have beat Tampa Bay. But, again, from just a mismanagement standpoint of that kicker. And, by the way, Dan Bailey missing more kicks against the Saints. And it's like, yeah, they're just not a good football team. Like, they have good players here and there, and they're able to move the ball. But, like, above all and you know, add it all up, it's just not very good when it comes to the Vikings. So why I'm supposed to be all that excited about the Bears, right? Um, obviously, big win against the Texans. 
you know, we talked about the spot in that situation where the Texans going on the road, essentially after getting eliminated from the playoff spot, really just a tough spot for the Texans to kind of be up and ready to go. And then before that, right, they lose to the Lions. Like, think about losing to the Lions, especially when you're already up 10 points. Like, what are we really hanging on to here when it comes to the Bears? Because they need to win? Because they must win this game? Because they have everything in front of them? Like, they wouldn't be the first team to lose against a team in a mow-down situation where they can you know where they blow it entirely right like the nfl is based on that level of you know unpredictability uh giants and the ravens here this thing again off of the 11 down to 10 some juiced up 10 and a half here if you like the giants anything 10 or above is worth a play for me but i'm looking to just kind of wait around see if a bunch of money comes in here on the ravens here um on this sunday afternoon falcons and chiefs haven't talked about this this is our fiends gambit if you're following along on Twitter, you know, and some debate about whether or not like the Chiefs have clinched. Obviously, no one's reported that they have clinched, but they have this tiebreaker of strength of record. And it's one of those situations where it's kind of it can't be calculated until after the season. But the way that it's shaping out right now is that it does appear like they have clinched but like nobody can admit it because we don't know what's going to happen in the last couple of weeks and you know you can't i mean you can sort of calculate the strength of record right now but in a lot of ways it just doesn't really make sense to and so the chiefs are going to put out a decent lineup here tyreek hill you know questionable to play but looks like he's going to go in sort of a pitch count type of situation and so this number 10 10 and a half right now you're able to grab the Chiefs minus 10.5 if you have them at plus 17 on the tease that we talked about on the Fiends Gambit on Twitter, uh, which of course is teasing the Saints and the Falcons, which is grabbing the Saints money line and the Falcons at plus 11. So again, anything at minus 10, minus 10.5 is totally worth doing with regards to that. Just looking to try to middle it, right? It, it, the whole point wasn't because we necessarily like the Chiefs, actually kind of like the Falcons in the game with that many points, just based on the fact that again, the Chiefs never cover numbers, and they always do it by just a hair. So this game could very well land on 10, and that was kind of the point. Like this game landing on 10 or 11, getting us an opportunity here to middle our bet, hasn't dropped from a point spread standpoint the way that I would have expected it to, um, but still a couple hours left until game time for that one. Um, as for the four o'clock games here, Denver and the Chargers talked about this, coming off of the three down to the two and a half. Of course, the Broncos now become an attractive teaser piece at plus eight and a half as well. So might add that into the old teaser bucket, right? And so again, the teaser bucket from Friday, Saints already in, right? At minus one. Talked about how we didn't love anything from a point spread standpoint there, but how the Saints minus one would be a nice little teaser piece to start the weekend. San Francisco plus 11, that hit yesterday. Las Vegas plus nine, that hit yesterday as well. And then we talked about how the other three were Houston minus two, still available at minus one and a half. Carolina plus eight and a half, that's kind of gone away. As, as we go along here with the four o'clock games, Carolina and Washington essentially down to a pick'em at this point, right? Obviously, quarterback issues um, with regards to Washington moving that number down, and then the Rams plus seven and a half, right? They at plus one and a half kicked up six points to seven and a half. Were the rest of that teaser bucket, but now you've got you know still can play Houston, um, Carolina less so. We talked about kind of either side of Indy and Pittsburgh, um, Buffalo on Friday or excuse me on Monday. 
uh, minus one in the final primetime game there as well. And Denver plus eight and a half. Uh, add that into the bucket. So a bunch of different options here, whether you've been involved in it um, from Friday's tweet or just kind of showing up here, a bunch of different combinations that, that, that you can use. From a Moneyline Parlay standpoint, Jacksonville, okay, maybe at that from a value standpoint, that could be worth a play. The Giants, again, a showdown game masking as a, a mowdown game where the Giants are trying to win this game. You don't have that same issue when it comes to the Jags. And what have we seen from Baltimore? Like, yes, they absolutely destroyed Jacksonville last week. And congratulations to them. Like, that's a get-right game that the Steelers weren't able to take advantage of last week. So kudos to them. But at a big money line price here for the Giants, like, why wouldn't we take a shot with that? Right? Like, why at plus 375... This is a team that a couple of weeks ago went to Seattle and beat Seattle. Is Seattle any different at this point than Baltimore? Right? So we've got them. Uh, the Jets just talked about that being an option at plus 230. How do you feel about this wide receiver situation? Are you getting value at plus 230 with the Jets knowing that the Browns are going to be without an entire position group? So those are sort of three big-time underdogs that you can throw together. You can do them in, in a three-team parlay that has two selections, right? Uh, each combination, three different combinations by two. Or you can sort of play around with some of these shorter underdogs, right? Denver plus 120, for example. Um, you know, even Carolina at essentially a pick em. You know, the Steelers here at essentially even money as a pick em as well. You know, the problem is, like, you'd, you'd hate to hit a couple of these big ones and just not have the coins flip your way when it comes to these shorter priced um, money line pieces as well. So a little bit of a tricky go here when it comes to the money line parlay as these lines kind of move around. Um, as for, uh, what do we got here? Philadelphia talked about that. Um, this thing up to three, right? So now we're sort of out of the zone here where we liked Philadelphia at minus two, minus two and a half. And listen, I don't want anything to do with Dallas here necessarily. Um, maybe we sort of wait for the game to start. Maybe Dallas gets an early score uh, and we can live bet Philadelphia. Maybe we just bite the bullet and take minus three if we think that Philadelphia is going to handle the Cowboys relatively easily. Again, no Leighton Van Der Esch for Dallas. A run defense that was already a bit of a shambles. And now you've got Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders coming to town. And again, I think the Eagles are live to win this division. And we watch these lines move where Carolina becomes more, not quite a favorite here, but they're no longer an underdog against Washington. You know, the Giants, for as much as we think they may have a chance to win the game, they're still a pretty big underdog to the Ravens. And now you've got the Eagles favorite here. And then we head into week 17 and these teams all sort of match up. And I kind of like the Eagles to win the division here at a like plus 700 divisional price. And I think that's almost the way to play this more than anything else. Now, there's a possibility that the Eagles win by a million points and still aren't in a great position next week if, for example, Washington beats Carolina today. But as we watch that line move, it becomes more interesting. So um, I think a small piece on Philadelphia to win the division, I think, is very much appropriate here going into these games today. And then Sunday night, Tennessee and Green Bay. And we're watching this thing, and it got to as low as Green Bay minus three, even money. 
and it's coming back the other way now, right? So people are starting to pile up here on Green Bay a little bit here at minus three and a half, even money um, at one spot. So again, headed towards Green Bay. I like Green Bay minus the three. So if that's still available out there, go ahead and grab that um, immediately. And uh, as for the Monday night game, you know, talked about it last week, right? I just don't understand how the Bills don't absolutely destroy the Patriots. Would have said the exact same thing last week. Did say the exact same thing last week about Pittsburgh and Cincinnati in that one. And so, again, tread lightly. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about that game with Sheldon Alexander. Hopefully he's all right as far as his health is concerned. My guy was banged up this week. And, uh, and we'll be back for that tomorrow. Hopefully that gets you set for Sunday in the NFL. Best of luck to everybody with your bets. Keep it responsible. No chasing until Monday when we break it all down. I'll see you at the window.